Good evening. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Awakening. My name is Ryan. Uh, we're thrilled, absolutely thrilled to have you. Uh, I love Christmas. I, I hope you do too. I know a lot of kids love Christmas. Yeah, kids, kids, you like it? One. Um, uh, but part of what I love about Christmas is the traditions. I love traditions. I'm a, bit, I'm a firm believer that whatever's repeated is remembered, and so I'm a big fan of traditions all the time, but I love Christmas traditions. Uh, you know, I especially love, like, you know, for some here, like, it isn't Christmas until we sing Oh Holy Night, and there's a few songs you just heard, you're like, oh, crud, are they going to sing Oh Holy Night tonight, right? Because if they don't, I don't know if... I don't, we're going to sing it, okay, relax, we're going to sing it, we're going to be there, it will feel like Christmas. For others, it doesn't feel like Christmas until you've had Christmas tamales, huh, anyone? I know you're looking at me going, really, does he know about Christmas tamales, but yes, I do, okay. Uh, others, it's the Charlie Brown, uh, you know, Christmas special, it's on at 8 o'clock tonight, by the way, ABC, just a little shout out there. Uh, Hi. Hey. <laughs> Good to see you guys. <laughs> I know. Um, one of my favorite traditions in our family, and, and, and we do it every Christmas morning, doesn't feel like Christmas unless this happens. Uh, Christmas morning, my wife every year makes monkey bread. You know, you know what monkey bread is? Yeah, yeah, it's that deconstructed cinnamon roll that is like ooey gooey goodness, right? However, one year, she accidentally misnamed it. And so instead of monkey bread, she woke up with all the excitement with our young kids. We have three young kids. And said, hey, kids, guess what? This morning I made monkey balls. Yeah. <laughs> and so tomorrow morning, we'll wake up, and our family will have monkey balls together. <laughs> and I keep calling it that just because I think it's awesome. Uh, one other tradition we'll do tomorrow is before we open the presents, uh, we're going to sit and we'll read the Christmas story. We do that together as a family. If you've got young kids, I'd encourage you to uh, do that. But also there's this, uh, the kids' Bible app, and it's amazing to do it with them. Uh, and so this evening, I just want to do a couple things, maybe to make it feel like Christmas for you. And maybe for you to experience Christmas in a way that you've never experienced it before. This morning, or this evening, whatever time it is, I'm not sure. Uh, I wanted to simply read the Christmas story. Uh, unpack part of the backstory that I just find fascinating. So here's the deal. If you don't think it's fascinating, just kind of go with me there, all right? Because then it just hurts my feelings on Christmas, and that's not cool. Uh, and then third, I just want to leave you with a question, all right? And so if you got your Bibles, which I, you probably don't, but I got them up on the screen here. I want to simply read Luke 2. And part of the Christmas story is we forget that it's actually rooted in history, that, that what we're celebrating isn't just tradition that is we do, but it's actually a historical event that took place a little over 2,000 years ago. And, and the gospel writer Luke uh, was both a doctor and a historian. He was meticulous uh, in his research and going to eyewitnesses. And this is what he records when he records the birth of Jesus. He says it this way. 
In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to, the Beth, uh, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house and the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first son, uh, her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Now here's the part that I find fascinating. Here's the part that you may not have thought of before around the Christmas story. Did you notice that when Luke records the story, he begins by actually setting it in its historical landscape, in the political landscape of the day. He says that he begins with Caesar Augustus. And I actually got a picture of Caesar, uh, good old Cs. Uh, there he is. That's Caesar Augustus. He ruled. He was actually the very first emperor of Rome, ruled from 63, or he was born 63 BC to 1480. Think about this. Caesar Augustus, he defeated Mark Antony, and some of you know Mark Antony's uh, wife who was helping out, Cleopatra, very thank you. So he beat him to be the sole ruler of Rome. Caesar Augustus, who was so military, uh, like brilliant, that he doubled the size of the Roman Empire. Caesar Augustus, who strategically built highways throughout the kingdom so that his military could move and commerce could move uh, and at r rates that were unparalleled in that day. Caesar Augustus, who brought about what was known as the Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome. And, and under his rule, Rome, uh, the Roman Empire experienced unprecedented peace in that day. Caesar Augustus which he named himself, by the way, he was originally called Octavian. Uh, and after he beat uh, uh, Mark Antony, he gave himself the name Augustus, which means exalted one. <laughs> Just saying. And when he died, they deified him and worshiped him as a god. Now think about this. This is, what, this is where I think it, it, it's amazing. It is that same Caesar Augustus who has now become a footnote in the story of Jesus of Nazareth. Think about this. Caesar Augustus, the most important, influential, and powerful human being on the planet at that day, is today remembered for being a side note in the story, in the birth narrative of Jesus, this carpenter. Because think about Jesus. Let's just, because we live in tradition, we live with, oh yeah, this is just how it is, and Jesus, this was, think about who Jesus was. Jesus, who was born in an obscure part of the Roman Empire and belonged to a marginalized community. Jesus, who grew up in the working class as a son of a carpenter and went on to become an itinerant teacher uh, in, you know, Judea and Galilee. Jesus, who was ultimately, by the way, executed on a Roman cross, the very symbol for Rome of their dominance and what they used to enforce peace throughout the empire. Jesus, by the way, we have no image of, we have no sculpture, we have multiple marble statues of Caesar Augustus. Jesus never wrote a book 
Augustus actually made sure that not only did he write his own memoirs, but he made sure other people wrote of his great deeds. Jesus, think about this, whose public career of teaching only lasted three years. And Augustus, who ruled as emperor for 30. And yet today, think about this, yet today millions Millions of people gather to tell the story and celebrate a baby born and placed in a major. This is what I find so fascinating. And that Caesar Augustus is simply a footnote in that story. Now, I think how Luke continues this narrative explains why. Why that Jesus has stood the test of time. And why that he has risen as time has gone on. And we've forgotten, I mean, probably 90%, unless you're a history buff, of what I said about Augustus, you did not know. Luke continues, he tells us why. He writes this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Uh, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people today. Think about this. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. That's the word anointed one. He is the long-awaited one who was promised to come that was going to restore and bring peace and hope and life. That's who this baby laid in a manger is. And he's not just the anointed one. He, He goes on to say he's the Lord. He's God. We sang, or we'll sing a song about Emmanuel. God with us. This isn't just any baby. This will be a sign to you, the angel tells you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger, and suddenly, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those on whom his favor rests. See, the reason why Jesus, I believe, has stood the test of time is as Luke records it, it was no ordinary baby laid in a manger. The reason why the most important and prominent person in the world is simply a footnote in the story of this carpenter turned rabbi who lived in an obscure part of the world is because it was more than a man, it was Emmanuel, God with us, that God stepped into time, space, history to bring hope and life and peace. Now, I believe this is the struggle for many of us around the Christmas season. The traditions are nice. The festivities are nice, and even the stories are nice, and even just me reading that in some way settled the soul for the season. But, but the struggle is, is are we wrestling with, did really, did God really visit the planet? I mean, the struggle with the Christmas story is, is how, how could this really take place? And I think our rational minds go, it's impossible. There's no way this could be true. And yet, I'd just like to suggest this. It's simple. 
If you told people in that day that this Jewish baby would one day be more well-known than the Roman emperor, they'd say, you're crazy. And that Caesar Augustus would one day simply be a footnote in this carpenter-turned-rabbi's birth story. They would say, it's impossible. See, I just want to leave you with a question this evening. It's a question that if you're a Jesus follower, I think what it will help do in this season will help reawaken the wonder of the moment of God with us. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I just ask you, wrestle with this question. It's simple. In fact, I think it's so worth your time. Not just because lots of people gather around and talk about Christmas and talk about God with us and Jesus. I would suggest, just based on what we talked about here, it would be a reasonable pursuit to wonder and ask this question. And here's the question. Is it really true? I mean, what all that we said. Is it really true? How do you explain that this carpenter's son has become the centerpiece of history? In fact, we divide time now. Augustus got, by the way, a month. He named his own month, <laughs> August. And then he actually expanded it, by the way. So he, that's the reason there's 31 days in August. And yet, Jesus, we record 2015 based on his life and his death. How do you explain that? And I just want you to ask the question, is it true? What if it's true? I mean, what if Jesus really is Emmanuel? What if this really is the best news this planet has ever heard? What if the deep cry of your soul for peace and for hope and for life was laid in a manger a little over 2,000 years ago and his name was Jesus. What if all the struggle and all the longing and all the pain and the brokenness and all the unfulfilled spaces of your soul. What if in the time, space, and history, God visited the planet that he would bring peace and hope and life? Would you at least, I would just encourage you, would you at least have the courage to examine, to pursue, to wonder, to ask, what if it's really true? Um, about three or four months ago, I was woke up early on a Sunday morning, and uh, I, I do that often because we have service, and I get up, you know, around 4.30 or 5, and uh, I was leaving the house at 5 a.m., and as I was driving out of my house, there was... Um, a guy leaning up against a car, and at first I thought, oh, is it my, because it's my neighbor's truck, and is it my neighbor, and I looked, no, it's not my neighbor, so then I wanted to make sure he's not breaking into my neighbor's truck, it's, you know, he's got tools and stuff in there, and he's just leaning against the truck, 
and he's got his phone out, and he's just leaning against the truck, and so, you know, it's dark out, and I roll down my window, and I, I go, hey, man, you okay? And he's just looking at his phone. He doesn't even look up at me, and he's just kind of staring. And so I, I say it again. I say, hey, man, you okay? And he just kind of stumbles like this. And so then I go, I realize maybe I'm asking the wrong question. Do you know where you are? <laughs> and he's, he still didn't quite answer. He's trying to dial his, his girlfriend. Apparently he gets her on the phone as I'm like trying to talk to him. And I can tell he had a rough night. And we'll just leave it at that. There's kids in the room. And, and he's like talking to this gal and his girlfriend and he's like I don't know where I'm at why did you guys leave me apparently he got walked out of the house of whatever party was and got disoriented and was wandering the streets of Willow Glen all night long and I mean just like 20 year old kid just freaked out and there's this really and he's talking to this girl and I'm like sitting right here there's this really nice man talking to me you know and and, and I and I go would, would you like a ride home? And he's offering me a ride home. <laughs> I think he's sent from heaven. Like, well, you know, I mean, I am a pastor. I don't want to say it that much, but uh, touched by an angel. All right. Um, I said, hey, bro, get in the car. And he gets in the car. I'm like, where's your address? And we plug it into the GPS. And we begin to have this conversation about his night because I began to ask, realizing it was a tough night. And then halfway through, he just begins to say this over and over and over again. He's just looking at me. He's just shaking his head. You found me. You saved me. And you brought me home. And tears just began to stream down his face. And he said, you found me. You saved me. You brought me home. You found I can't believe you found me. And then you saved me. And, and you're bringing me home. Christmas reminds us that we have a God who pursued us, who is searching and calling for us who would do anything and go to any lengths to find us, even become a baby in a manger to save us and to bring us home. What if it's true? Because if it's true, it's the best news on the face of the planet, isn't it? Would you have the courage to ask that question this season. Let's pray. God, we thank you as the, those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, we have experienced that reality that we've been found by you, that you have saved us and you are bringing us home. God, I pray for the person in this room that maybe is wondering and wrestling. 
Would you give them the courage to, to step inside the car with you? To begin to ask questions and not just assume. To experience the wonder of Christmas. God with us. Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen.